the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is episode number 106 and part of our multifamily brief series. Today is March 10th, and we're about a month or so away from when the average person is going to have to file their income taxes. And I think most people are probably increasingly seeing advertisements from various tax preparation softwares, tax preparers, companies that help you with your income taxes, and etc. So today I wanted to talk about how passively investing in apartments or multifamily real estate can really help your bottom line when it comes to income taxes. Because honestly, that's what it's about. It's about helping your bottom line. So allow me to nerd out for a couple of minutes. In the past several years, I have taken several courses on income tax preparation. I have a little bit of knowledge about how the income tax system is set up. So I think to understand how multifamily investing helps you when it comes to taxes, it'd be helpful to review the income tax system, how it's set up, and how you are actually taxed. Now, because I want to keep this to about a 10-minute episode, I'm going to hit wave tops only. First of all, Income, according to the IRS, is going to be categorized as one of three types. It's either active income, passive income, or portfolio income. Active income is what we'll talk about first. It includes all income from which you had material participation. W-2 income falls in this category. If you're a freelancer and receive 1099 income, that's also active. If you're self-employed or a small business owner and actively participate in running the business, it's most likely that you receive active income. Now, active income is the least tax-friendly income of the, of the three and is taxed on a graduated income tax basis or scale and can be taxed as high as 37% of every dollar earned. Now, a single person earning over $84,000, for example, will fall into the 22% income tax bracket and will contribute over $1 of every $5 earned over $84,000 to Uncle Sam. Higher income earners are donating $1 of every $2.70 in taxes. Now, portfolio income is a little more tax-friendly, but only if you qualify for long-term capital gains. That is, you hold an asset for more than one year and one day. Now, portfolio income includes income received from stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, and other investments that are not specifically considered passive. Portfolio income from assets held less than one year are considered short-term capital gains and are taxed right along with your active income at a rate up to 37%. Long-term capital gains, however, in 2020 are either taxed at 0, 15, or 20%. If you're single with an adjusted gross income of less than $40,000 or married with less than $80,000 of income, your long-term capital gains are not taxed. Now, if if you earn somewhere between $40,000 40000 as a single person or 80000 married filing jointly and a half a million, your long-term capital gains are taxed at 15%, which is far less than your active income counterpart. So long-term capital gains are much more tax efficient than active income. Now let's talk about passive income, and this is my favorite. Passive income is income received from rents or royalties in a property or business in which there is no material participation. Now, the IRS has specific definitions for what is and what isn't material participation. Now, for this episode, we'll just say that income received from investment properties where you are an LP or a limited partner or a passive investor qualifies as passive income. 
Now, passive income is actually taxed at the active income rate, which is not great, but there is one huge advantage that passive income has when real estate is involved, and that's depreciation. So let's talk about depreciation for a minute. Depreciation, by definition, is the reduction in value of an asset due to the passage of time. Now, conceptually, to illustrate what depreciation is, imagine you buy a new car today for $20,000. A year from now, even if you don't drive it and have it parked in your garage the entire time, you're not going to be able to sell that car for $20,000 because it's a year old. Now, if you're able to sell the car for $18,000, you have essentially lost $2,000 due to depreciation or the reduction in that car's value over the passage of time. Now, if that car purchase was for a business and not for personal use, the IRS will allow you to count depreciation as a loss or an expense on your taxes. Now, the same is true for real estate with one huge advantage. It doesn't matter how old a property is when you buy it. The IRS will allow you to consider the property as brand new on the first day of purchase. And depending on the property type, they will allow you to depreciate the property over 27 and a half or 39 years. And for multifamily investments, the number is 27 and a half, which means you can depreciate 3.6% of the building's value every single year and count that as a loss on your taxes. Now, what does that mean? Even though the actual value of the property is increasing due to inflationary pressures, you can take a significant loss on the property every single year. And as a passive investor, those losses are passed on to you according to your ownership percentage in the property. Now, do a little more of a deep dive into depreciation. There are different types of assets that are all depreciated over different timelines. For example, computers and office equipment are depreciated over a five-year period. Furniture and other fixtures over seven years and land improvements over 15 years. If a property owner conducts a cost segregation study, they essentially are lumping every single item in the property into either a five, seven, or a 15-year bin, which allows for a much higher depreciation rate in the first several years of property ownership. Additionally, tools like bonus or accelerated depreciation can add significant losses to the first few years of ownership. That means each year, even if the rental property is producing cash flow, the depreciable losses will offset your passive income and in many cases produce a passive loss on your tax statement. Now, how much? Well, our chief financial officer at Four Oaks Capital has said that first-year depreciation for most multifamily investments will average between 35 and 40% of the amount invested. So for a $100,000 investment, there will be approximately $35,000 in depreciable expenses that carry forward to your tax return in the first year. So if the property produced an 8% cash return in the first year or $8,000, your total passive loss will still be $27,000. In later years, however, the depreciation losses are lower, so you may actually have a positive number on your tax statement. But even so, it'll be far less than the amount actually received. Now, let's return to your tax bill and your tax situation, and let's talk about how these passive losses are handled in conjunction with other incomes. If you have a passive loss on a single investment, that loss will first be used to offset other passive income. So a loss on one property can cancel out passive income of any form as long as it's passive income. The effect that passive losses have on active income depends on your situation. For most income earners with an adjusted gross income of less than $150,000, passive losses can offset your active income. If you are married filing jointly with less than $100,000 in adjusted gross income, your passive losses can offset $25,000 of your active income, which amounts to roughly $6,000 in savings on your overall federal tax burden. Now, what if you have passive losses that you can't use to offset active income? 
Maybe your income is too large for you to use these passive losses, or your passive losses exceed the amount that you can actually use to offset. Well, you get to carry forward any passive losses you didn't use on this year's return to future income tax returns. And as of right now, they never expire. So if you're a limited partner in LP and a syndication and you receive $35,000 in passive losses, and because of income restrictions or another reason, you're only able to use $10,000 to offset active income, you can use the remaining $25,000 in passive losses on future income tax returns. So you can maximize your losses this year and carry forward any additional losses to future returns to benefit your tax situation in future years. Now wait, it gets better. If you happen to qualify as a real estate professional for tax purposes, or your spouse does if you're married filing jointly, the income tax treatment is even better. Your passive losses can actually cancel out your active income no matter how much you make. So to wrap everything up, when investing passively in real estate, especially as an LP in syndications, using the tools the IRS has given you can drastically reduce the amount of money you pay on your income taxes. At a minimum, you're going to pay less in taxes on the returns you receive from your passive investments than you would from active income or even long-term capital gains. And best case scenario, you can reduce your tax bill to zero. That's so much better than doing what your tax advisor suggests and putting your money into an IRA. Well, that's it for today's episode. Stay tuned because Friday we have another first deal episode, this time with Jonathan Barr, who recently closed on a 32-unit apartment complex in Norman, Oklahoma. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at foroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.